This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to episode 81 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, proudly brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I am joined by right now a beat red Nicholas J. Horwat because of the uh, the conversations we have off camera. Yeah. So one of these days we'll have to just start recording every conversation we have. Horwat, how are you this week? Oh, if, if we were having that conversation, we'd have to like age restrict this episode i was looking up how you can send literal boxes of turds feces, feces fecal matter. all of the words um to people you don't like and there's multiple companies that do it and uh the imagery was quite graphic so needless to say hockey troll poly cupcakes uh anybody else in the metropolitan division at thpn expect a package uh in about six to seven business days Oh, for, it's on sale, so, you know, for the election. Um, which, by the way, get out and vote, everyone. How about that? That's what we'll leave this opening at. Uh, get out and vote for whoever you like. There you go. And uh, we are going to have some actual hockey topics to talk about in this episode. We're going to lead it off with a nice discussion about Jared McCann and where he fits on this team to start the season. We're going to parlay that into a discussion about the Penguins' bottom six. And then because we spent so much of last week discussing the Pittsburgh Penguins moves in free agency. We're going to do a little bit of an around the league segment, talk about some of the biggest free agents and their landing spots. But for right now, let's start off with Jared McCann. Horwat, where does he fit in the Penguins lineup to start next season? Uh, this is a very broad answer, but he fits just about anywhere. Because we know he can play center, but he's also a much better winger and I think that's probably where he fits to start the season definitely uh, at the third line left or right wing position wherever whichever spot is open whichever one he fits best in but he's a guy that can fill in anywhere any line first second third or fourth on the wing or fill in as a depth center because he can do that he's a very utility knife type player for now I'd say he's going to start as a third line winger and then move from there as needed, I'd say. Yeah, I I would like to agree with you there. I mean, third-line winger is probably where he's most likely going to fit at the very beginning of the season, whenever that may be, and we'll discuss that a little bit later as well because there is a certain owner in the NHL that might have done messed up. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. When they initially re-signed Jared McCann, I was thinking third-line center. Yeah, I think that's what everyone was thinking because – we all thought he was gone for, for step one. We all didn't think he was going to get re-signed after the piss I mean, I, I I thought they would re-sign him, to be completely honest. I really didn't think they were going to let Jared McCann go. Uh, maybe we didn't think he'd be let go, but there was questions of what was going to happen because of the piss-poor end of the season he had, and then, I mean, shit, everyone had a bad playoffs, so there's that. But obviously, Jim Rutherford and the coaching staff like him enough to give him his chance again. Whenever we signed him, we at the time didn't have someone or a couple people who could fill in as a third-line center position. So we assumed that's what it was. And it's not like he really had a shot to be the third-line center last season. I mean, he had some opportunities 
but he didn't really get an ample opportunity with certain line mates. It was kind of just a mishmash of, of wingers that he was given when he was in that center role. So I would personally like to see him be a center at some point for this team. But as of right now, looking at the rest of the lineup, I think he probably has a better shot as a winger. I think he'd probably produce a little bit better as a winger. So yeah, third line wing's probably the spot that he's going to start in. But there's also a possibility of a first line right wing, him slotting into there. I know State of Hoppy mentioned that to me in our discussions over the past week. So that might be a position that he starts in. But I think most likely for the start of the season, especially considering the way his last season ended, I would say you put him on that right wing on the third line. And, and we're going to talk about the bottom six as a whole. But as far as Jared McCann's concerned, he had a decent season last year. And, and we've talked at, at nauseum about the way that he started the season on fire. And then he went on that 22 game scoreless streak to end the regular season. He did not score in the playoffs. He's kind of an enigma, but at the same time, he's still very, very young. I mean, you definitely don't want to give up on this, on a player that young. And I'm happy we didn't, but I mean, the kid's only 24 years old. So he has a lot more to prove when it comes to being in the NHL. So is he a third line center material? We don't know. I think he'll get time next season as the third line center. I think if whatever happens at the beginning of the season doesn't work out in the bottom six, I think there's a lot of possibilities for Mike Sullivan to shuffle players around. And that includes Jared McCann. McCann has the capability to go into the top six if need be. But most likely, I think third line winger is probably the best place he's going to fit. And the good thing about him is I feel like he can fit basically anywhere on this roster, don't you? Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. He's... He's a guy that might see time on all four lines somehow this season, judging given his play. It's because we've seen him play with Crosby before. We know it works out fairly well. We've seen him play with Malkin for maybe 20 seconds, but it works. Third line is usually his home for now because we see the way the top six is built on this team so far. So he kind of shuffles into a third line spot immediately. Well, then there's the fourth line that should be shuffled this year no matter what. So if he files in with some of those guys, he files in. If not, um, he'll be moving around. Like I said, he's going to be a Swiss Army Knife type player who can play anywhere. Starting off on the third line, though, at a wing, because you know his center abilities are okay, but he just needs more of an opportunity. It just can't start right at the beginning of the season because we have Jankowski and Bluger to fill in at those spots now. And I love that you bring up those two guys because I feel like the biggest reason that Jared McCann now does not need to be a center is because those two guys are there and those two guys are much better in their own zone and much better defensively than Jared McCann is. So it really takes a lot of pressure off of him trying to be defensive minded and trying to play in his own zone. So it helps that Teddy Bluger, it helps that Mark Jankowski are both really good on both sides of the puck. So with that, let's just move into the whole bottom six. I mean, you look at the Penguins bottom six and they now have options. That's something that GM Jim Rutherford wanted to do going into free agency. He wanted to make sure that he had options in the bottom six. And I think that he has done that perfectly. I mean, you look at Teddy Bluger, who is a center, but then you look at some of uh, hybrid center wingers, people that can play both the center and the wing down there. I mean, you have plenty of options. We already mentioned Jared McCann, 
Talk about Evan Rodriguez. You have Sam Lafferty and Mark Jankowski, who we said is a center. He can also play the wing. So you have a lot of guys down there that can both play that center role and also play the wing. And then, of course, you have guys like Zach Aston Reese, if he can come back healthy at some point. But then you have other guys like Colton Sevier and Brandon Tanev who are only wingers. So you have a really nice complementary adjustment of players who can really shift any which way you want them in the bottom six. Yeah, it's that 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 bottom six is going to get shuffled a lot this year, especially with the additions of you know Sevier Jankowski, the return, I guess, if you will, of Rodriguez. And if he Aster, went on sabbatical for like two months, he never played a game there. So, I mean, he didn't even sign a contract there. Exactly. And then on top of that, you have Zach Aston who might be returning at some point. Um, did we mention Sam Lafferty at all? I mentioned him as somebody who can play center and wing. Okay. He's down there. It's going to be a bottom six. That's going to get shuffled a lot. May that be for better or worse is yet to be seen because mm-hmm. yeah, aligned chemistry coming together is usually fairly good but at the same time it's you can't see that great of a chemistry form and then just glue guys together you got to be able to separate them so just hitting shuffle on those six guys and starting there of who would be skating and then adding in guys that are scratched or hurt you got eight nine guys maybe even ten that all could be getting flipped around fighting for six spots yeah, and of all, of all those names we mentioned, we also didn't mention Anthony Angelo, who's in the minors, who had played a couple games with the Penguins last year. We didn't mention Sam Poulin, who last week I told you why I didn't yep. think he'd be on the team at the start of the season. So there's a lot of options for that bottom six. To me, the one thing that is weird and different from the Penguins this year than they were last season, at least how they're constructed as of right now, it seems like there's a very hard line between their top six and their bottom six forwards. It feels like there's a really big distinction between who is in that top six and who can play in that bottom six, because I don't see too many names other than Jared McCann and maybe Brandon Tanev that can bump up into that top six if they need to. Uh, Yeah, that's going to be about it into the top six. Maybe Brandon Tanev can do it unless you said that and I just missed it. I said maybe. Okay. Uh, he's a guy that can play on all four. Jared McCann is a guy that can play on all four. It's going to be interesting seeing because we know the odd man out on the top six, however, though, is Kapanen. They'd be fighting for his spot, basically. Because I don't see us dropping Russ to a bottom six unless he does get that bad. Or, yeah, obviously Crosby and Malkin aren't moving. Zucker's probably not going to move. And Jake Ensel, again, not going to move. So odd man out there is going to be Kapanen and He's a guy that the second we got, Rutherford said, hey, he's going to be in our top six. He's going to be our first line even. So who knows? If anyone's fighting for that spot, they're going to be fighting for his spot. Tanev and McCann are guys that can do it. Tanev maybe a little less because he doesn't have as much of a scoring touch, or at least we haven't seen it yet. But McCann we know can do it. Tanev just would have to prove it. Other than that, yeah, there's no one else going into that spot. So let me put you on the on the spot here. I have mine written down. I don't know if you wrote yours down, but if you had to construct the bottom six right now, let's start with the third line. What would you do with that, and why would you put those guys in the position you wanted to put them in? Yeah, I do have it written down. I have it written. I think it's a couple weeks old now, but I have it written down. 
Uh, my third line is center centered of Jankowski and then McCann and Tanev on the wings because I want to split up that fourth line from last season immediately, even with Aston Reese hurt. But Tanev moving up because he deserves more ice time for one and two. Uh, he's got more to prove. That's all there is to that. McCann, I, just I mean, said, we, yeah, go ahead. I was about to say, we, we both really agree that the Brandon Tanev outplayed all of our expectations last season, that he needs to get more time on the ice. So I, I think mm-hmm. we can both agree that he should be on the third line. Yeah, that's exactly where I have him. Jankowski, I'm assuming is coming in and being a third line center. I'm assuming that's why we got him. I don't, I don't know about fourth. He has, it's yes, Bluger's a great, you know, fourth line center. Could be a third. For now, I'm sticking with Bluger as the fourth line because of veteran presence for the third, as well as more of a scoring touch so far, at least in his career. Um, and then McCann, we just went on long talks about McCann, so there's that. Fourth line, I have Bluger centering Sevier and Lafferty. Because my local but not so local Sam Lafferty <laughs> getting his position. I think it's well deserved. I, we mentioned last week he's a damn wrecking ball. And that's what you want on your fourth line. Uh, Teddy Bluger is just the fourth line center. That's just the way I see it for now. If he if he gets better, he gets better. And Sevier, I, that's if he stays. I, there, He might be on the move. Who knows, really? For now, I figure we got Sevier. He's the new toy. Use him. If he ends up, if he ends up not working out, we have Rodriguez to put in the position. Yeah, and it's it's very weird because of course both of us not putting Zach Aston Reese down because he is going to be injured, but neither of us having Evan Rodriguez in our starting day bottom six. Not that we have anything against Evan Rodriguez. It's just I haven't seen enough from him. Whereas all these other players are to me established. I know Sam Lafferty has played less time in the NHL than Evan Rodriguez, but I feel like he's more established, and I also think the organization likes him a little bit more, mainly because he is homebred. He was homebred through the system, so they always favor those guys. But here's the thing. I don't know, between Bluger and Jankowski, yeah, Jankowski has shown a knack for scoring a little bit more than Bluger and a little bit more consistency than uh, Bluger has shown, but for some reason, in my heart of hearts, I think that combination of Bluger and Tanev stays at the beginning of the season. Now I know Mike Sullivan doesn't like to number lines, which is a farce. I like to number lines because I think it makes it easier to understand for everybody. So to me, the third line, basically the same as yours, except I have Bluger in the middle there. Okay. Uh, Jared McCann is not a fourth line player. He's not. No, let's there's, there's no point in ever thinking that he's going to be down on the fourth line. It's just not something that's going to happen. Brandon Tanev, we've talked at nauseum, of course, about how he should be moved up in the lineup. So I think he gets to the third line. And listen, we've mentioned, yeah, Teddy Bluger is a great and established fourth line center in the NHL. Why not give him the bump to start the season at third line? Why not give him that bump? Because especially if you quote unquote, don't number the lines, what's wrong with having McCann, Tanev, and Bluger is your third line. I like that third line. Bluger brings a defensive responsibility, and so does Tanev, that makes up and allows Jared McCann to kind of go crazy offensively. And we all know that Jared McCann, if he has the time, if he has the patience, his shot is ridiculous. So if those two guys can give him open lanes and can just bowl through people and create open spaces for Jared McCann, he could do some pretty good damage to any opponent. 
So that's that's who my third line is. And of course, I already mentioned Evan Rodriguez, not in my lineup, but Jankowski I have as the fourth line center, centering Sevier and Lafferty. We agree on that as well. But I mean, Sam Lafferty, what else can you say about this kid? He did everything right last year. He had every opportunity that he was given. He took it and he ran with it. 110 miles an hour. Yeah, there were times where he was a little underwhelming on the ice, but he only had six minutes of playing time a game usually. The fact that he even showed out enough that we remember him is something. And he's made some pretty good plays. I mean, he scored a goal against, I believe, the Capitals in the one game that was beautiful. So, And then, of course, he scored the St. Louis goal, as I mentioned last week. But I don't know what Sevier is going to bring to this team. You mentioned that he might get moved. I don't see why he would. Like, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not sure why you acquire him and then trade him before the season. I, I That's just something I don't understand, especially considering he's on a one-year deal. Well, I mean, Rodriguez was acquired and then never even signed, so there's that. I just am just preaching, not preaching, but regurgitating something I had heard at one point. So Okay, well, I mean, I, I don't think there is any real... I don't think there's any real steam behind that. No. I don't know what... Jim Rutherford's looking to do. I mean, he has a fully rostered team right now and he's still two and a half under the cap. So he has space to do something if he chooses to, which knock on wood, we are recording this a bit early, but this is the first week in forever that I can remember there not being a, a move made by Jim Rutherford. So yeah, we're, we're digging for news this week. We thought it'd be so busy. <laughs> oh, we'll have plenty of news when we get into free agency from around the league and kind of catch everybody up on, on what's going on around the league, considering last week we had so much pens news, but yeah, that that's my bottom six. And I, I think like we said, you can switch all of this around very easily and get basically the same result. And I, I think it's a sturdy bottom six. I'm not by any means about to say that this bottom six turns us into contenders because it, it's not. It doesn't do that. But is there potential in that bottom six to be very helpful and very useful for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah. But I will say one thing. That top six is going to be tasked to score a lot of goals. You know what? Damn it. They deserve it. <laughs> well, they should. Crosby and Malkin should be back. Like- should be back in the discussions of the top goal scorers and point getters in the league. That'd be amazing to see the conversation of, hey, Crosby's going up against McDavid for the most points in the league. Bet you didn't see that one coming. This bottom six, you'd be hard-pressed to put it in any combination. Shuffle any of those six to eight to nine guys in any way. I'm not going to disagree. I'm not. That's just the way those guys play. It's They're all depth pieces. They're all bottom six players. That's where they belong. So if you shuffle it around anyway, it's going to look good. It's going to be nice. It's Is it going to be a productive bottom six? Who knows? Maybe something changes with a couple of these guys. But it's not going to produce and we shouldn't look for it to yet. If things change, things change. If Jankowski can get back to his form from a couple years ago, sweet. If McCann can start scoring like we know he can, even better. Lafferty, Tanev could go for Tanev 15. could easily pop off, yeah. And then Lafferty has a, has a whole other stride to hit, I think. You shuffle that bottom six any way you want it. I'm not going to disagree. Speaking of shuffling, and, and again, this is something from State of Hoppy. He said, you know, if Cappy doesn't work out on right wing one, what about a line of Tanev, Bluger, and Kapanen? Exactly. I like that. That is a hustle line. Yeah, that, that line's going to bowl you over. 
because we said the one man that's in the top six, that's odd man out to get his spot taken is Kapanen. And him down there, he adds the scoring touch that makes one of those lines a bit more of a scoring threat. Throw him into that mix. I like it. Our bottom six is very maneuverable, and that's the way it should be, especially if you mentioned you don't like numbering lines. I like numbering lines, but I don't like sticking to them. I don't like locking lines in and being like, well, they're productive, so let's not touch them. It's like, no, just because one of your four lines is productive together and your other, if your other three are shit together, then you should still break up that fourth line because they have something that's working and you'd like to spread that out. So when it comes to the Penguins bottom six, of course, we're not, like I said, we're not going to task them to be, hey, we need those guys to score for us to win games. Yeah, it'll be nice if they can pitch in. It would be nice if Jared McCann can go for 20 goals. That's probably the only person down there in that bottom six that I could see hitting the 20 goal mark. Yeah. But if, if he can do that and everybody else balances, gets around 10, 8, 9, 10, maybe up to 15 goals for some of them, that's perfectly fine. And that's based on an 82-game schedule, which, again, we'll get into. But for the Penguins' bottom six, it looks pretty good. I will say it looks steady to start the season, and it can be improved on. Of course it can be. Every team's roster can be improved on right now. We're like three months out of the start of the season, if not more. So there's plenty of room to improve. So as we mentioned, teams getting ready and try to form their roster for the start of next season. We're going to talk about the free agent recap from around the league. We talked a lot about the Pittsburgh Penguins last week. We talked the first 22 minutes about the Pittsburgh Penguins this week. We're going to get you up to date on some of the biggest names that moved to the new homes in this offseason. But right before this, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors at Manscaped. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 81, episode Phil Kessel, if you will. And we're talking about free agents right now. Of course, free agency started just about a week and a half ago now. So a lot of interesting moves happened. The big names are off the board. And some of them went to places we definitely didn't expect. So let's start with one that we knew was going. We knew Alex Petrangelo sooner or later, was going to ink his deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. Did we not? Oh, we knew. We knew. Vegas doesn't have a salary cap. It's not fair. I mean, 
they did have to make moves for that to happen. I mean, you think about, yeah, sure, Vegas, you want to go out, you want to get Alex Petrangelo, you're getting the cream of the crop of this year's free agent period. But guess what? You're giving away one of your top centers in Paul Stastny for basically nothing. You're giving away Nate Schmidt, one of your most productive defensemen, for basically nothing. And now you're still going to have to make a trade to be able to swing this big Petrangelo piece. So, not my it, issue. I Listen, this might be controversial, especially because we're a Pittsburgh podcast and our goal, one of our golden boys is over there. Uh, I'm no not pun a fan. intended. Yeah, good point. Um, I'm not a Vegas fan anymore. I'm not. No? No. This this signing kind of just said, no, I'm not into it anymore because now you are – I saw someone mention it's very New York Yankees-esque that they're doing something like this. They are going out and buying the the championship team, which I get is kind of what you're supposed to do, right? To an extent, because this is a salary cap league. Meanwhile, the Yankees can literally just throw whatever exactly. money they want to get a championship team and still lose. And yes, it does sting because I'm a Yankees fan. But Go at the same time, at the same time, Petrangelo signing there, I don't know if that's buying a championship because, yeah, Stastny's aging. But then you had to get rid of Stastny. You had to get rid of Schmidt. You're going to have to get rid of somebody else. I don't know who that's going to be. For that, you get to check out the weekly nightly podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. But they signed Petrangelo to seven years, $8.8 million a year. He's going to be, what, 37 when that, that contract is up? That is a hefty price to pay a guy. I mean, if I'm Petrangelo, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to retire in Vegas too. Hey, you know what? He signed – whenever that contract's over, he'll be younger than what the guys in San Jose will be when they're done. Oh, let's not bring up those guys in San Jose. That's just the that's it. They at least didn't sign him to eleven million, and, and he can't turn on his left or right ankle, whichever friggin' one it is. Considering you're getting off into a tangent about making fun of somebody that plays defense for the San Jose Sharks, let's move on to somebody that moved to a place that we really didn't expect and a contract oh, yeah. that we kind of expected. Taylor Hall goes to to Buffalo, which okay. Uh, I was not expecting that, especially considering early reports were that Taylor Hall were looking to go to a contender, that which the Buffalo Sabres are not. He wants to win, they said, he said. He wants to win. He wants to win what? A buffalo eating? Like a buffalo wing eating contest? That's the only thing he's winning in Upper State New York. Him and Jack Eichel will win a good amount of games the first half of the season, and the wheels will fall off again. We know the story of Buffalo. At least they'll be doing it in nice new jerseys, I guess. I don't I guess. It's not the black and red ones. I don't care. <laughs> well, yeah, those would be the best jerseys. But still, Taylor Hall, one year, $8 million to play in Buffalo. Listen, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not excited to see Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall in the same line. I am. Oh, that's going to be fun. The problem's going to be the rest of that team. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because it's nothing. Yeah, sure. You got Eric Stahl. Congratulations. Ooh. That move was made 13 years too late. You got, who else? Jeff Skinner, again. <laughs> 10 years too late on Jeff Skinner. So Buffalo, they also didn't address goaltending, which if they think that they don't have a goaltending problem, I don't know what, what team they've been watching. So sure. Taylor Hall, I guess that's, that's the move you wanted to do. I think it works out for Taylor Hall either way. Oh yeah. He's riding out this pandemic on a cool $8 million contract. And next year he'll go to a contender. That's how I feel this is going. Well, here's the problem. Can we not agree that Taylor Hall's stock 
has dropped dramatically since he got moved from New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Not that he was playing well in New Jersey after the Hart Trophy campaign. No, yeah, it's dropped. He wasn't going to get $8 million in a lot of other places. Like he I, was not. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't think. He's taking that $8 million, riding out the pandemic, and will join a Yeah, but what team. if he doesn't perform with Jack Eichel? He'll perform with Jack Eichel, especially. Uh, listen, I listen. I, I I don't disagree. But what if he doesn't? That's a big bet on yourself. Whenever you're uh, what? What are you? What are you gonna say here? What if he doesn't perform with Jack Eichel because Jack Eichel's not there? <laughs> then I'll be the happiest person ever. You know I'm a big fan of Jack Eichel, and I don't want him in Buffalo. I wanted him if he could have gone to the Rangers and somehow the Rangers kept Lafreniere and Eichel. I would have cried. Mainly because that would have meant the Penguins are never winning the Metropolitan Division again. But Buffalo deserves a good team. The fans there deserve a good team, but they're not going to get one. And Taylor Hall signing there for one year, I just don't understand. He's betting on himself, and I hope it pays off for him. But if it doesn't, boy, is this a real bad move. Yeah, it is. But to be fair, I also totally forgot this. He's only the third highest paid forward. Behind Skinner and Eichel. I forgot Skinner got nine. Yeah. Talk about overpaying for someone. I missed I forgot about that one. That's overpaying times two. Oh yeah. But Yep. I he Buffalo at least has that going for him. Like we signed him for a year. He might not perform. He might perform. Uh but at least he's not our highest paid or second highest paid forward, right guys? Yeah, and by the end of the year, two of those three players might not be with the Buffalo Sabres. But uh let let's stop talking about one of the worst run organizations in the NHL and let's start talking about an organization that had a Stanley Cup a couple years ago, and that's the St. Louis Blues. They wasted no time replacing Alex Petrangelo. Now, not to say that Tory Krug is a replacement for Alex Petrangelo, but at seven years, $6.5 million, they're going to ask Tory Krug to play some important minutes with that team, and you know what? I think he will, and he, he's kind of a different type of defenseman than we're used to seeing going to St. Louis, isn't he? Um, Yeah, I'd say so. I People get on the Justin Falk deal a lot and I don't remember why because I thought I thought Justin Falk was a decent player maybe not 6.5 for seven years good but which which by the way if that sounds familiar because that is the exact contract Tory Krug is making Tory Krug deserves that money not Justin Falk maybe they could have kept Petrangelo around if they didn't sign Falk but if it seemed were like that bridge nuts, was burnt it really does, especially when you heard that Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the Blues, was looking at Petrangelo and saying, I'm not going to tell you the layout of the contract. I'll tell you how much you're going to make, but I'm not telling you the layout of the, the bonuses and stuff like that. You had to know at that point that, okay, well, Petrangelo's gone. How are they moving on? And it's funny because St. Louis actually signed Krug before Vegas yeah. inked Petrangelo. So they were basically saying, all right, fine, leave. I don't, I don't care. Thank you for the cup. Thank you for being our captain. Have fun in Vegas. And they said, we're moving on here. We got Tory Krug. Him and Colton Pareko are going to be the stalwarts on that defense. And hey, there's a lot worse off than Pareko and Krug in this league. Those two are two of probably the best one-two punches in the league as far as defense is concerned. Yeah, I'd say so. Colton Pareko is vastly underrated. And Tory Krug is finally on a team where he's not going to be on the second line. I I'm assuming because he was he, he could still be a second pair defenseman. Yeah, but he was shoved behind 
uh, a very old man and a very young kid in a city that, you know, Pittsburgh usually isn't too fond of. So there's that. But as for Tory Krug and St. Louis, that team's interesting now. I mean, it's always been interesting, but you always, because they're a very good team and you always forget about how good their players are. Vladimir Tarasenko is one of the best damn goal scorers in this league. He needs to stop getting hurt so he can prove it. Colton Pareko is young and one of the better right-handed shot defensemen in this league. Can Jordan Pennington return to form? We shall see. This is a very under-the-radar team that you totally forget about, and they just won a cup a year and a half ago, basically. I was about to say, how can you even be under the radar after you won a cup, what, 18 months ago? I don't know, but they are somehow, some way, you know? That's just how St. Louis rolls, and I mean, hey, if they're going to be under the radar, that's fine. That's sometimes the perfect place to be right before you go on a hot run to win a cup, maybe back-to-back. I don't know. Just saying, speaking from experience. But let's move on to a guy that you wanted the Penguins to sign, whether it was feasible or not. It's your boy. It's the former LA King Mm -hmm. and now former Vancouver Canuck. Tyler Toffoli signs in Montreal with the Canadiens. Four years, $4.25 million. Horwat, how sad were you when you saw this news come across the screen? I wasn't shocked. Uh, Montreal, the, the team shocked me. I'll say that because there are just some players, at least in my mind, I don't know how yours works, that you look at and you assume if they're going to go to another team, like you, you start putting other sweaters on them. Montreal never appeared on Toffoli's, on Toffoli for me. But, I mean, hey, he got his bag. I'm not mad at it. I said to you and multiple times that any other year I'm hooting and hollering for Tyler Jafoli to get signed here any other year it sucks that this year is his free agent year I mean he's just a good player I remember whenever I heard he was on the trading block last season I was thinking that could be a good move who he's shipping out for him though because I thought our team was built last year and then we saw how that went so honestly shipping anyone out for him at this point might not be a bad idea but built for a play-in loss exactly but um, there he is making, I need to pull his contract up. There it is. Four years, 4.25. That's that's low for him, I'd say. So you got him on a I deal. think that's about right. Uh, uh, I think you're overvaluating one of your favorite players. It's a touch low. Sorry, I should I should have clarified. 5.5 five oh, is, five, five is about as high as I'd go with him. So it's a touch low for him. So you kind of got him on a deal, I guess. I think you're still overvaluating that's him at fair. five. I think the highest you'd I'd go for him is 4.25. So I think they did a pretty good job signing Tyler Toffoli. And he he is going to help out Montreal. I was hoping that he'd go back to Vancouver because he really didn't get a full shake with them. He was a a pure rental for them. And I think that he would have been very good. And it's very fun watching him play with Tanner Pearson. But alas, that didn't work out. So now we'll see him probably play with, I don't know, maybe Phil Deneau, maybe Brendan Gallagher. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays in that Montreal system that is really geared towards defense yeah. and i mean i don't know maybe they're bringing him in for a little bit of a scoring touch i would hope so because that is his game i am just kind of now coming across that in my head that montreal is a very um defensive minded forward team they don't have guys that are big time goal scorers i mean if i think montreal their biggest goal scorer in my head is domi and he's gone so to fully drew in if he's healthy i mean yeah i always forget about him though so because he's always hurt so Tyler Toffoli comes in as, I would hope, a scoring touch because seeing that team being a high-flying scoring team again would be a lot of fun. But whenever Shea Weber is your captain, 
You're not getting much offense out there. Mm-mm. But Tyler Zafoli could bring it, and who knows? That team's an, another interesting one, to say the least. So the big storyline for free agency this year, and it was trades as well, is goaltending. So we have a whole lot of goaltenders that signed right off the bat in free agency. Let's start off with the two teams in Western Canada. I mean, Braden Holtby signing with the Vancouver Canucks. Two years, $4.3 million. You talk about free agents that you put a sweater on and didn't see the team that they ended up with. Oh, yeah. That'd be Brayden Holtby. I I had basically pegged him to being a Detroit Red Wing after this season. But that didn't happen. And also, I didn't expect him to sign what is basically a bridge deal for at least half of what I expected him to make. I thought he was asking for at least more than Matt Murray made. I thought he was going to go for seven or eight, but I guess he did have a down season last year with Washington lost his job to Ilya Samsonov. And now he signs at two years, 4.3 in Vancouver replacing Jacob Markstrom, who we'll talk about here in a second and kind of showing the way, I guess it's perfect for Vancouver because now yeah. Braden Holpe can just show the way for Thatcher Demko, who is still in the process of maturing as a young goaltender in this league. So, for Vancouver, this is a fantastic deal. For Braden Holpe, I'm not so sure what the plan is here. We saw what one cup versus two cups uh, can get you, apparently, because Matt Murray got a hell of a lot of money, while Braden Holpe got a lot of money, <laughs> to put it simply. Yeah, they got him on a steal, too. I mean, two years is one thing. That's just, I think that might be the pandemic speaking. There's been a couple of deals where it's like, it's these short things. They're trying to get their money and then see what happens. Do you remember the days when Braden Holpe was looked at as one of the top goalies in the NHL? Is, yeah. Is he still considered that? Because this contract doesn't speak for that. I don't think so. I thought he was, I thought Braden Holpe was the class of the goaltending division here. Yeah. But it ended up being Jacob Markstrom by the end of the season. I mean, now that I think about it a little bit, yeah, maybe it makes sense for Braden Holpe. Two years playing with a young team like Vancouver that is very good. Now their defense leaves a little bit to be desired. That does help that they got Nate Schmidt on there. And yes, Quinn Hughes is great, but they lost a lot this offseason. Maybe those two years, he rejuvenates his career. He shows that he's one of those top guys and he gets a big contract a couple years down the road, but that's a lot of ifs. And you don't really need to be passing up opportunities like this and I get that it's in a pandemic I get that everybody's going to lose some money but two years at 4.3 I could have seen him getting what Jacob Markstrom got which was six years six million dollars Markstrom got that to play in Calgary and hey Calgary finally has their goaltender big save Dave can be a pure backup now because Jacob Markstrom shit is the guy shit <laughs> all the ranting I do about him being a starter um one more thing with Holpe he's 31 so he'll be 33 at the end of this deal. You're not looking for a huge contract after that, are you? I mean, Markstrom's 30, and he got the 6x6. Six six. Eh. So that's what you think, that this is the time for Holtby to cash in, but he's going to be 33. I mean, he, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. He's 31 in a month, I should say. 31 and a month, I should say. He tur Holtby turned 31 exactly a month ago is the day we're recording this. So... Still be 32 by the end of it. You just... 32? 33. 33. 33 by the end of it. He's not going to get a massive contract after that because he's a goalie. 
unless you're playing pretty damn good. Unless Vancouver wins the next two Stanley Cups. Yeah, unless you're playing damn good into your latter years like another person will talk about. You're not going to get a huge contract out of that. But Markstrom, on the other hand, maybe it's because he plays in the West Coast and I just haven't seen him a whole lot. He had a hell of a season this year. I know he had a hell of a season this year. What's the rest of his career looks like, though? Because I'm always saying, man, you get those goalies that have those those one hot seasons, buy themselves a contract, and you wonder what the hell happened. I see you're doing the looking up. That's nice. Because Yeah, I'm trying to get those stats for you real quick here. I mean, Jacob Markstrom, like I said, last season was extremely, extremely impressive, but let me look right quick. He has a lot of seasons in the 800s as well in save percentage. Last year was his top with 918. He was in the 910s for the last five years consistently. So not an awful option career-wise. But, again, best thing Calgary's had in a while. Yeah, and I will also give Markson the benefit of the doubt because now I'm seeing he's – I've remembered that Vancouver was not a good team for a little while. Uh, and I he played with Florida, which I really don't remember. <laughs> like, I really don't remember him ever playing with the Panthers – I'm guessing they're backup. I mean, Markson was kind of a backup a lot until this year. I mean, hey, he, he's another one. He got his bag. He had a damn good season and earned himself a big contract. If you're using him as a 1 and 2, a 1A and a 1B with Riddish, that's pretty solid too. But for now, obviously, it seems like he's the clear-cut number one. And we've heard from a lot of guys in the network here that Markstrom is that guy. He can be that number one. So now he's kind of got his team. It might be going through some changes. We know Calgary is a very weird team. So who knows how that all shapes out. But if Calgary can have him as the number one and Dave Rich as your backup, first of all, that is a damn good duo. And that's a team to kind of be worried about if that's the case. And if they're able to really kick it into high gear because we know they can do that we have a couple more free agents to talk about here but before we do that i want to mention our friends over at coolhockey.com visit coolhockey.com slash thpn and use the promo code thpn for 30 percent off your new favorite hockey jersey Horrid, i know both of us have jerseys from coolhockey.com and both of us love our jerseys from mm-hmm. coolhockey.com so i i highly suggest you guys Go check out coolhockey.com slash THPN. Again, promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey. Great hand stitching and all. And you know what you can do while you're there? You can get a Cam Talbot Minnesota Wild jersey. How about that? Does that not tickle your fancy Horwat? Man, the, the Minnesota Wild went from needing goaltending to needing goaltending. They did it. I don't hate it as much, but you look at some of the names that were rumored to go to Minnesota. I mean, Matt Murray was attached because, you know, Pittsburgh and and Minnesota is now seeming like a pipeline for for trades and stuff like that. Marc-Andre Fleury was linked to the Minnesota Wild. I heard Jacob Markstrom's name come up. Henrik Lundqvist in a very sarcastic manner was brought up. But Cam Talbot ends up going there. Three years, $3.66 million average annual value. I don't hate it for the simple fact that I really, from what I've seen, and yes, I will admit it's not been a lot, but from what I've seen of their system, I think Kapokakinen, in a year or two's time, 
could be a decent starting goaltender in this league. I Again, I haven't seen much of him, but from what I have seen of him, he's not an awful option. So maybe that's what they're trying to do here. Bill Guerin might be bringing Cam Talbot in, somebody to hold the fourth down. I mean, anybody's better than Devin Dubnik and Alex Stalock, right? Uh, maybe not Cam Talbot. <sighs> what defenses did he play behind? Answer me that. I mean, last year, yeah, the Flames, but he was not bad last year. I guess I'm being a little harsh on Cam Talbot because I can't remember saying the Minnesota Wild are going to be a damn unit. And then they made that sign, and I really kind of walked that comment back. But they will be a damn unit once their prodigy goaltender they have comes up and makes noise. For now, it's still a growing year, I guess. They're a team that will be feared eventually. Marco Rossi coming in and Nick Bukestad, if you will. If they can make Parise work with that contract, if they can make uh, Suter work with that contract or wait until they're gone and, oh, shit, five years. <laughs> That's a team to really be worried about. They are a damn unit. They've got a young core who's going to be phenomenal in a year or two. Cam Talbot isn't the way, but, hey, if you're using this year as a growing year, go for it. He'll get you a couple wins. It's not the worst idea in the world. And at a $3.66 million cap hit, that's an easily movable contract. Absolutely. Yeah, that's easily movable. Oh, both their goalies are 33? Oh, shit. It got a little harder. But you know what? For having your goaltending duo at 4.45 in total, screw it. I'll take it. It's not bad. And I, I really don't think Cam Talbot is as bad as... And you, you said you were a little harsh I'm on him, but he, he is not that bad because we look at a couple seasons ago and he was looking pretty good for the Edmonton Oilers. And of course he hit a wall because he was the only guy there starting. Then they got Miko Koskinen and for some reason they thought he was God. So I don't I still do. I don't think Cam Talbot is an awful option. No, I, I don't think he was the best option for Minnesota, but hey, they found a dance partner and that's the big thing. There are some teams that didn't. You look at Detroit, they ended up with Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier. Now, yeah, I get that spending the big money on the big goaltender, probably not in Steve Eiserman's plan as of right now, to pay a big goaltender to go for it whenever your team just finished with the worst season in NHL history. So that makes sense. But let's bring it into the Metropolitan Division to finish it off. We have three names here. Two of them went to the Washington Capitals. Not much to say about Henrik Lundqvist going to Washington. He's going to be the backup there. He's going to mentor... Ilya Samsonov, and he's only there at a $1.5 million cap hit. I guess the only thing I have to say on that is it's really going to be weird seeing him in a Caps uniform. Uh, you want my thoughts on it? I It was in my shout-out last week, so go there if you want to hear my thoughts on it, I guess. The other name of the player that went to Washington, and this just warms my heart. We mentioned Jack Johnson last week, and, and we'll mention him again, I guess, this week, but... The one man and the one signing that just warmed my heart. The baby deer Bambi himself, Justin Schultz, signs a two-year, $4 million average annual value, $8 million total dollars Woo! with the Washington Capitals. Who signed off on that in D.C.? Who's his agent? <laughs> I don't know who his agent is, but I need to sign him. I don't care if he does podcasters or not, because that is a ridiculous contract for a player that has not performed since the eighth grade picnic. And by the eighth grade picnic, I mean 2018. 
is it the effect of this might be weird are a lot of guys that were on that back-to-back cup team gonna get good contracts like that have they been getting good contracts like that we saw matt murray sign a very healthy deal now we're seeing justin schultz sign a healthy deal usually if you're gonna get that contract you get that after you win back-to-back and not after three years of being completely inept in your own zone and in the offensive zone I, mean, I Matt, listen Matt Washington fairly iffy Washington great signing I approve <laughs> I, I very much approve of this I'm very happy that you made this signing I think he will do great for you guys and by that I mean he will do a great job of letting people score on you and whiffing on pucks in the offensive zone so is there anything else we need to say about him do you want to hear better defensemen that are getting paid less on the Capitals Sure, let, 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 let's hear it. Brendan Dillon, who is probably marginally better. I don't think Brendan Dillon's all that great. Uh, Michael Kempney. Should I be reading their contracts off? Dillon... No, no, just, just, just names. That's fine. All right. Nick Jensen, who yeah. might be better. Give him a little time. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who... Damn it, he needs to be better. <laughs> I've been wanting TVR to be good for ages. And I don't know that last name. Here's the thing. I don't think anybody understands how genuinely bad Justin Schultz was last year. No. But what he's he, able to do is flaunt two cup rings in your face and say, look what I did. I contributed to this one. Yeah, but I just, oh, he's not good. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine, Washington. Enjoy him. I. That's all I have to say. I mean, okay, let's move on to somebody else that, I'm enjoying being in the Metropolitan Division, but not on the Penguins. That's Jack Johnson. We talked about him last week, uh, a hefty amount, because last week was the week that he was bought out by the Penguins and then signed by the Rangers for $1.15 million per year. Go get your Again, bag, Jack Johnson. Go get your bag. That Sure. Exactly. Whatever. <laughs> Don't kill Alexi Lafreniere. That's my only ask. Eh, we'll only be there for like a year and a half. It's fine. If he even makes it that long. So... Unless you have any other notes, we are going to move on from the free agent talk. We have one more real segment here before we get into our, of course, pens, poll, and shoutouts and callouts to finish off the day. But the last thing I wanted to bring up, Vegas owner Bill Foley had some comments on next year's NHL season. I'm guessing that these were not approved for public by the NHL because they weren't too happy about it. Now, during a radio hit on KSHP's Vegas Hockey Hotline, the Vegas owner said he was not really going to be worried about playing against Nate Schmidt, who he had just, his team had just traded to a division rival, have you, because, quote, they're going to play in the Canadian division this year. Oh, that's where all this came from. Oh, oh, so there's going to be a Canadian division this year, Bill. That's interesting. That's good to know. Um, Nobody knew that before this came out. So now, of course, everybody's coming out with hypothetical realignments. I've seen some that put... The Penguins against the likes of the Minnesota Wild and the Detroit Red Wings and the St. Louis Blues. So all of these hypothetical realignments to start, that came out from all this. But he was not done. No, no, he was not done. He said that he believes hockey will return on February 1st. That goes very strictly against what Gary Bettman said when he thinks that it's still going to be January 1st. Whether he still believes that or not, that's what the league was rolling with. Well, not anymore. Now it's probably going to be February 1st, which most of us believed in the first place. He continued to say, 
that the schedule would probably be 48 to 56 games. So again, the NHL saying we're going to continue to try to have an 82 game season. That is done. <laughs> Good. I'm fine and again, with it. these are all things that we expected, but now these are all things that an NHL owner is saying. Yeah. And the last thing he said, uh, sorry, one last thing. You can finish. He said the cause... cup needs to be the cup needs to be awarded prior to the Olympics, as mandated by NBC. Oh, I was like, what do you mean before the Olympics? They're not until 2022. Uh, that makes more sense. Well, they're going to be in 2021. That's what it. The winter. The summer Olympics was, that were postponed of this year. I was thinking winter. That's why I was like, that makes no sense. They're not no. until And like those start year. July 23rd, so which basically means you're not going to get another bubble hockey starting in August, which means the 2021-22 season should be unscathed, right? Oh, you would sh- damn sure hope so, especially with the expansion team coming in. Uh, I heard none of these. You heard none of these. I saw the Canadian division and the realignments get made fun of and posted everywhere and viral for like 20 seconds i didn't see the rest of this i heard none of this i saw it in the rundown and went what the hell is this didn't look into it because i figured you'd be able to explain it fairly well and you did thank you mm-hmm. i kind of don't hate any of it uh, the the canadian division one i kind of hate but if you take legal guidelines into place you kind of have to like it <laughs> does it here's mean, the thing does it mean the canadian teams only play the canadian teams all season yeah Ooh. The only reason for doing a Canadian division is because they can't cross the border to play American teams. It's not like it helps in travel because Vancouver going to Ottawa is not an easier travel than Vancouver going to, say, L.A. Yeah, I don't disagree with a lot of these. The Canadian division one's the only one I might have an issue with, but like I said, once you bring in guidelines that need to be followed in the into play yeah i get it now i'm glad you were able to clarify the before the olympics thing because that one really confused me because <laughs> i'm thinking the olympics aren't until 2022 why are you worried about your players leaving for the playoffs the other olympics and it's an nbc thing yeah well sorry i think i'd rather watch the stanley cup playoffs over the summer olympics over guys running and oh. swimming don't forget swimming come on michael phelps won't be there who cares yeah, but Ryan Lochte will, and he'll definitely concoct a story this time that'll be funner than last time. Oh, is Ryan Lochte still swimming and, like, Olympic eligible? I have no idea. But I don't think the big issue with this was what he said. I think the issue is that he said he it. He said it. Yeah, no, I get that. And, and I don't think Gary Bettman was too appreciative that one of the owners of his league decided to go onto a local radio show and spew out all of his plans that are still not announced properly. Yeah, that's not a good thing. You, you done messed up, Bill. Is it Bill or Bob? You have Bob written in the thing here. Bill Foley. You have Bob Daly written in, <laughs> in the notes here. That is a... Uh, I have two... You have two uh, notes, yeah. I have two notes segments on, on my screen, and, and one of them says Bill Foley, and one of them says Bob Daly. But that's that's my mistake. Sorry, Mr. Foley slash Daly. You know what? You're buying a winning team. Screw you. <laughs> exactly. Screw you. And considering where this segment has gone, I think we should just send it over to our guy, Tom Franklin. This is our weekly ad from the Hockey Podcast Network. This week, we talk to you guys and we show you guys an advertisement about Blue Notes. Oh, hi there. 
pleased to meet you. My name is Tom Franklin, one half of the Blue Notes podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got that 2019 Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. And we're also your home for the best blues analysis. Yes, it's it's a it's a Bruin, but he, he's he's going to help the power play. And and that's what people need to understand. And, you know, they're going to look at it and say, oh, well, Justin Falk was supposed to help the power play as well. Tory Krug is legitimately going to help the power play. Felt like Newport was ready to go into his offseason and use Petrangelo as an example and say, okay, we're going to play chicken here with with uh, with the COVID cap here. Someone is going to give Petrangelo his money. We also have great guests from here at home. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, St. Louis Blues beat writer Jim Thomas, the organist for the St. Louis Blues, Jeremy Boyer, and around the world. Yo, Blues fans, it's Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, all the way from the Netherlands. And no other podcast can say they have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent, but we do. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, and this is my Aloha Commentary. Plus, a little self-deprecating humor thrown in there. One of our new Blue Note Selkie-level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what, I am failing my prices right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. He has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my Price is right off this. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> voted the best podcast by our peers in the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow Tom and Wags on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. And be sure to subscribe to Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. This is Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 81. And before we get back to the regularly recorded program, of course, as it always happens, we recorded it, and then Breaking Penguins news happened the day after that. So after we recorded this episode, the Penguins announced that they signed defenseman Cody Cece to a one-year deal at $1.25 million. Now, this was definitely something that some people had, I think, jokingly mentioned earlier, but I don't know how many rumors were actually based in fact, but this is a move that some people did, I will say, see coming. I, for one, do not understand it. I mean, he spent all of last year as the whipping boy for the Toronto Maple Leaf fans, and he's considered one of the worst defensemen in the National Hockey League, which... I don't quite understand why Jim Rutherford felt the need to go out there and get him. Cody Ceci plays right defense, and he's right he's a right-handed shot, so he's most likely going to be on the third pairing, right? So he's going to have quote-unquote sheltered minutes, and I know that it's giving flashbacks for Penns fans about Jack Johnson, who was supposed to get quote-unquote sheltered minutes, but I believe Cody Ceci will definitely get those on the third pairing with Mike Matheson. So if you look at the way the Penguins ended last season with a defense pairing of Schultz and Johnson, those two are gone and insert Mike Matheson and Cody Cece. That's going to be the Penguins third pairing starting the next season. All this really tells me is they were not comfortable with Chad Ruweedle. And it's unfortunate because Chad Ruweedle has been very good for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the role that he has been placed in. 
and it was about time for him to get a shot as an everyday player on this team. But once again, Jim Rutherford pushing that depth down the lineup and making sure that Chad Ruedel will stay in that seventh defenseman spot. You know who this hurts more than Chad Ruedel? And that's Yusuf Rikula. Once again, he's going to be the eighth defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's not going to see much playing time unless there are injuries. So as far as the overall overarching storyline of Cody Ceci, we'll see what he does. Yes, he is better than Jack Johnson, Pens fans. He is much better than what Jack Johnson was. No, he's not going to be a very, very good defenseman for you. I, I don't believe he's going to be somebody that Penguins fans are particularly going to like. But look at the bright side. He's better than Jack Johnson was. He is only here for a year, and he's only making $1.25 million, meaning they sh won't be afraid to bench him if he's not playing well. Jack Johnson, they were afraid to bench Jack Johnson. Whether they admit it or not, that $3.25 million cap hit for the length of time that it was, they were afraid to bench that because they can't have that much money sitting in the press box. With Cody Cece, it's going to be a different story. It's one year, again, $1.25 million. We saw it with Eric Goodbranson. They were not afraid to healthy scratch Eric Goodbranson because they knew that they would be able to move him. He was on the last year. He wasn't making... He was making more than CeCe, but he wasn't making as much as Jack Johnson. So this isn't the end of the world, Pens fans. But at the same time, it is a questionable move by GM Jim Rutherford. So we'll have to keep an eye on him. I know we mentioned earlier in the show that it was the first week in forever that Rutherford didn't make a move. And of course, we probably jinxed ourselves with that. But Penguins signed Cody CeCe. Jim Rutherford makes his one move a week quota for last week. And really all that we're left with are questions about what is wrong with Chad Ruedel, what is wrong with Yusuf Rikula, and why do we not trust these guys in the main lineup. But we'll get into all that as the weeks unfold here in the 2020 offseason. For right now, we'll get back the regularly scheduled recording. So we're getting through this episode 81. I may have messed up a name, but that's all right. That's, we we all keep on rolling here. Our pens poll this week. How would you grade GM Jim Rutherford's performance over the past week from the Jack Johnson buyout on? Horwat, what was your opinion on this before I read the results of the poll? Uh, I said it's a B. because I, I'm not going to give him a perfect grade because he didn't go out and get the the top free agents like Petrangelo or Hall for $700,000. So I can't say it's an A. <laughs> I can say it's a B because he handed out only $700,000 contracts. It was actually a very good um, decision by him. Did the draft happen before or after Jack Johnson? After. Ah, nice. Then I could say the draft was also kind of bringing it down a little. But screw it. I, it's still a very good offseason for him so far. More to come, I think. But, no, you can't hate it. You can't look at his offseason performance so far and say it's been bad. I think the best thing you can say about what he did that past week, he didn't mess the team up, but he did help it marginally. Which was okay. So, yeah, again, I would agree with a B, and so would most of Penn's Twitter, as they have B winning the poll at 50% and then C being in second place with 21%, D slash F got 20% and A got 9%. Damn. So very harsh criticisms of Jim Rutherford. I'm not sure what warrants a D or an F. 
What more do you want? He got Jack Johnson off this team. You even specified post-Jack Johnson buyout. I bet a lot of people were making that decision saying, well, look at all these trades he's made. <laughs> we lost Hornquist. We lost Murray. Oh, that was after still. We lost Hornquist. We traded away our first-round pick again and a very good prospect. I took your note into consideration. Maybe some people don't like that the Penguins went out and got Mark Jankowski and went out and reacquired Evan Rodriguez and went out and didn't really go out because he was a restricted free agent, but re-signed Sam Lafferty and Anthony Angelo. I don't know. I thought he did a decent job. I think he set the Penguins up in a pretty decent area. They are now fully rostered with two and a half million dollars in cap space. That was going to be the question to me. Oh yeah, we, How are you going to do this? We had an what are you going to get back for Matt Murray? Matt Murray. And I think Matt Murray, they fetched a pretty good return. We talked about that last week. So go check out that episode. What were you going to say? We we have an internal cap and he's a, a little bit over it, maybe. I don't remember what it was supposed to be, but he's not at the cap. And that's one thing we know for sure. That's something we're not used to. We have space. We can breathe a little. Speaking of breathing a little, why don't we get to shout outs and call outs? Play that music. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout. The officiating was awful. They were just terrible. They were ridiculous. Oh, this is just too good. What is your major malfunction? He's a horse. He is just relentless as far as how he plays. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Shoutouts and callouts this week brought to you by CoolHockey.com. Visit CoolHockey.com slash THPN. Use promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey, Horwat. Let's start it with callouts. So you may have noticed there was a team missing from uh, that free agent recap we did. Because I, for one, want to call out the Toronto Maple Leafs. What are you doing to your team? What are you <laughs> doing? The Leafs are supposed to be a very good, very young Young, key word here, high-flying team. And then you, go, then you go out and sign old man Wade Simmons. Very old man Joe Thornton, which broke today as we're recording this. Old-ish, scra healthy scratch half the time, Zach Bogosian. Uh, not hey, that is first-pairing defenseman of a Stanley Cup winning team, Zach Bogosian. Thank you very much. Ugh. <laughs> not old, but what the hell happened? What was... What were you, weren't you supposed to be something better? Jimmy VC. Uh, you signed TJ Brody. Congratulations. You made one good signing this offseason so far. Well, TJ Brody's in his 30s, isn't he? Yeah, but it's he's still a good player. He is a good player. Um, I think that was a really good signing. Yeah. Let's not forget they re-signed Jason Spezza. Old man Jason Spezza, but that one made sense. He was already there. It's not like he was going to go anywhere else. But you're supposed to make your team, I mean, this is just the Penguins moniker this, this time around, younger, faster. Okay, the Leafs. Maybe they are young and fast already. We're looking for some brute force. Well, damn it, you got it. Now what are you going to do with it? You're going to suck, probably. Maybe not suck. But you're not going to be as good as last year, I think. Wayne Simmons might drag you down. Joe Thornton's old and washed. I'll say that, and I will fight you if you disagree. Like I said, TJ Brody, you're only good signing so far this offseason. Congratulations. Also, great deal. TJ Brody's going to be good for your team. Everyone else, on the other hand... Best of luck. Maybe they can all return to form. Best of luck with a fourth line of Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, and Wayne Simmons. <sighs> oh, no. 
that sounds like an old timer's line. Oh. Like it sounds like literally I'm showing up to beer league yep. and this is the fourth line here. It's like when you show up to beer league and you say, Hey, there's a couple former, uh, professionals on the team. Oh, cool. Who these three. Oh, Oh, really? I saw a tweet that said, um, if you can sign a future hall of famer to a $700,000 contract, you do it. But me looks at the, at the Patrick Marlowe experiment. Do you really do that? Future Hall of Famer? Okay. Are they currently good? That's the real question. Not about what their future holds. Not about what their past holds. It is yeah, what you can definitely you do, do that now? if you're the Detroit Red Wings or the Buffalo Sabres and you need to sell jerseys. But if you are the Toronto Maple Leafs and trying to contend for a Stanley Cup, you don't do that. No. No. Brutal signings. Jimmy VC might be able to turn a career around. I'll give you, I'll give you half credit there. TJ Brody, good move. Everyone else... Everyone's clamoring. These are great moves for the team. All right. Well, whenever your fourth line is getting crushed by other fourth lines in the league, good luck. See how those big guys do for you. Also, Joe Thornton's older than the GM and the coach on that team. What the hell? <laughs> I'll give them credit for that. That's funny. Go ahead. My call out this week. Yeah, my you're a little heated on this, so I'm going to try to take it off your hands right now. Uh, my call out this week goes to the streaming service Netflix, and they are getting called out because they're taking the office off of their service. That is coming off of their service at the end of this season. I read that. That is an awful decision. I get that it's not their decision, but that has to be the most watched slash rewatched show on that streaming service. NBC Universal is taking it back, so it will probably be on Peacock, which oh, okay. I think it, I think is free. I have. It I for think free, Peacock's free. I have no idea. There's too many freaking streaming services right now. You got Hulu, you got Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Netflix, Amazon, this, that. I don't Apple TV Plus, all of them. Too many of them. But Netflix getting rid of The Office, which is probably it is the best sitcom ever. I'm gonna say that right now. Right. That is the best sitcom in the history of the world. It is also the best to rewatch as well. And you can fight me on it if you want. But I think The Office is the best sitcom ever. And it's awful that Netflix has taken it off there because I've never really watched The Office with with commercials. Like, I didn't <laughs> see it when it was airing on NBC. So I, I've never seen it with commercials. Do they have places for commercial breaks on that show? I don't know. But for Netflix to take off the best sitcom in history... After they've already taken off Friends last year, uh, they're losing a lot, a lot of clout now. I'm sure if you can, um, if you were to clip exact, like, video clip whenever you said Netflix is getting rid of The Office, I immediately pulled my phone up. After, like, stunned face for 10 seconds, I pulled my phone up and started looking up how much the complete series cost on DVD. Because I didn't know where it was going. It was on sale for Amazon Prime Day last week at some point. God damn it, I missed it. It was like 30 bucks for all nine seasons. I could probably find it at the exchange for cheaper. Most likely. But, uh, yeah, Netflix, you're losing your clout. But, to be fair, you still hold a lot of a lot over everyone else. And that's mostly your uh, original content, which is fairly good sometimes. I'm still, I'm still waiting on a second season of The Circle. I just want to point that out. It's funny you mention Netflix originals because my shout-out this week goes to the streaming service Netflix. You're shouting him out and calling him out? I am, because I loved The Haunting of Hill House, which came out last October. 
Now they just released The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is, they're basically doing an American Horror Story thing where it's the same cast, but a different story. I've only watched a few episodes, but The Haunting of Bly Manor, pretty intriguing already. The Haunting of Hill House was amazing. And I'm a guy that doesn't really get scared by a lot of movies or really video games for that matter. Yeah. Until dawn, there were a couple pretty good jump scares. We played that pretty together. great. The haunting of Hill house got me a couple times. Specifically. There was one jump scare that whenever it happened, I fell out my bed because I jumped up and like, I jumped from a seated position because of that jump scare. That was fantastic. I loved that entire season. I love the entire story. And so far, like I said, only a couple episodes in, that I'm really digging The Haunting of Bly Manor. So if you have Netflix, I guess this is my tips for the week. Make sure you get that last rewatch of The Office in because it's it's going to end soon. Gonna have to now. And also, make sure you watch... First, if you haven't seen it, watch The Haunting of Hill House because it's October and it's spoopy season. So definitely check that out. And then after you finish The Haunting of Hill House, or if you already saw it, check out The Haunting of Bly Manor. Because again, premium work by Netflix on their originals. I'm still not happy that you're getting rid of The Office, but I do like The Haunting of Hill House. I, I'm starting to really get intrigued by The Haunting of Bly Manor. I can't wait for Peaky Blinders, even though that's not a Netflix original. I can't wait for the next season of Peaky Blinders. So did you say it's like a different story, but the same cast? Correct. Is it Netflix's version of American Horror Story? That's what I said. They're basically doing an American Horror Story thing. Okay. Word. So they're not ripping it off, but... Making no, a different product it, of the same kind of idea. They're also not using the same amount. They only used about, from what I've seen so far, like three or four of the same cast members. Oh, it's not like the entire same cast. Okay. I like that a little more then, because American Horror Story really did use the same exact cast. And I only ever watched the first season and then like two episodes of the second, and I can thank Megan in quarantine for that. Yeah, I watched I watched a couple seasons of American Horror Story. But Horwat, your shout out to close us out. Yeah, my shout out's a fun one. So I'm sure we've all seen that video of the uh Zamboni on fire. Correct. So it is not a Zamboni. What? Yes, exactly. The Zamboni Company. That's the name of the company, Zamboni. Not the object you see. That is not a Zamboni. It is an ice resurfacing machine. It's like Chapstick and Kleenex. It's the company name that ended up becoming more popular than the actual product. Yep, I... This is your shout-out? Yeah, I'm shouting out Zamboni because they made a tweet that said, Hey, uh, can you guys stop saying that's a Zamboni that's on fire? Because it's not. It's an Olympia. (laughs) It's very funny. They made a whole ass... I'll retweet it after this is over so you can see it. I'll put it on whatever. Yeah, there have been numerous... improper references to Zamboni in connection with an unfortunate incident in Rochester, New York. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it basically says we are a company, not the object. And I think that's really funny and good for them for teaching the hockey world that, or at least trying to, that they are just the company. So if you ever see uh, an ice resurfacing machine, check the brand before you say what it is. 
No, it's a Zamboni. I don't care. I really don't care if you hurt your feelings. I, it, it's a Zamboni. That's what it is. There's a freaking song that says, I want to ride the Zamboni. It's not about your brand. It's about a freaking ice resurfacing machine. Okay? I don't care what the proper name for it is. The, there is also that children's book, Z is for Zamboni. And I, I and whenever I saw that, I immediately looked it up to see if that was like a branded book or something. But that's just one of those things that it's so interesting. Shouting it out because it's really interesting to always learn about the things that are the the brand is more popular than the object. Like jacuzzi, isn't jacuzzi te- just a hot tub? Isn't jacuzzi the brand? I have no idea. Or what? I don't. I don't know the brand names versus. I, I chapstick. You're diving down a real chapstick. weird. Chapstick is the brand name of lip balm. See Kleenex. Do you say Kleenex or tissues? Because Kleenex is tissues. the brand name. Well, at least I'll you got tissues. that one right. That, that <laughs> one might be the most known one, but and maybe that's just a Pittsburgh thing, even. <laughs> but yeah, Zamboni is the company name, not the actual machine itself. Get it right, learn up on things. And one of my favorite things about that whole post they made, one of the comments, there was a comment thread underneath it. <laughs> Someone went into detail, like, yeah, Zambonis actually aren't all that reliable. Olympias are way more reliable. Not in Rochester, New York, they're not. Someone comment, or I forget what the comment was. He said something like, "I'd like to see a an Olympia failing," and someone just posted the same exact video again underneath it, and I lost my mind. So, learn up on some Zamboni slash ice resurfacing machines history, and have a good week. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed our little our little history lesson there. But no, have a good week, Pens fans, and make sure you get that last rewatch of The Office in because it'll probably be on Peacock anyway. But have a good week, guys. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.